This episode of Bradley's House Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at HeyGoodFarms.com. HeyGood Farms' goal has always been to provide hemp products that improve your quality of life. And their process is really the difference maker. HeyGood Farms handles your product from the dirt all the way to delivery. This ensures a top quality product every time. And all their hemp comes from the same process, from the same facility, ensuring consistency in every order. Check out HeyGoodFarms.com. That's H-A-Y-G-O-O-D-F-A-R-M-S.com. And check out their incredible line of gummies, cartridges, oils, skincare, capsules, and even a line of products for our furry friends in the pet care section. The point of using CBD is to make sure that you're not putting bad stuff into your body. So check out HeyGoodFarms.com. You can see their lab results, reviews, and read more about their process and what makes HeyGoodFarms.com the leader in the CBD and hemp industry. We thank Hey Good Farms for sponsoring this podcast and working with the Knoll Family Foundation in getting Bradley's house open to help us in our war against opioids. I'm Jaime, and you're listening to Bradley's House Podcast. guys welcome back come on in and make yourselves at home as you should when you're a guest in bradley's house i'm your co-host jared or she is the executive director of the knoll family foundation and exactly what i want to be like when i grow up our host ms kelly knoll kelly how you doing today I'm doing great. Thank you, Jarrett. It always um, amuses me the way that you introduce me, but thank you for always saying such nice and amusing and interesting things. Yeah, someday I'm going to grow up. I hope to be just like you. <laughs> I, I want really to exa- feel like you could aspire to something much greater, but okay. You're the executive director. I don't know what else could be. I mean, <sighs> so. Kelly, we're here at Bradley's House Podcast again. Um, we've got another amazing episode lined up. I've been excited for this one since we found out that we had it locked in. Who is our house guest today? I am just as excited as you are, Jarrett. We both are big fans of the band Tropodelic. I have to say, the first time I saw them, and I can't remember exactly, I think it was about three years ago or so, and I was so blown away. These guys are not just great musicians, but great performers. And so I'm super excited that we have the pleasure today of speaking with Derek McBride from Tropodelic. Derek, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Uh, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in music, please. Well, um, yeah, fifth, fifth grade, I, uh, I joined the school band. I uh, started playing trombone and eventually uh, tuba. I uh, did tuba middle school through high school, somewhere around middle school. Um, one of my art teachers gave guitar lessons and I got guitar lessons. So I played guitar and then, you know, I just learned like a bunch of instruments from there. Was there any part of you that figured, okay, guitar is a lot easier to carry around than a tuba? <laughs> well, I honestly, I, uh, I started playing tuba purely, purely out of the comedic aspect of it. Like I thought it was <laughs> like, like, you know, I was, I was a husky kid growing up and I was like, it makes sense that I would play the tuba, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And then, uh, <laughs> guitar was, you know, more for like the stuff I would, I would listen to in my free time, like pop music. Sure. And what did you listen to in your free time? In middle school or now or when? All of the above. We want to hear it all. Oh. Um, I mean, I was, I was really into like uh, metal and stuff in, in middle school. In high school, I had uh, 
kind of my like funk awakening, mm. which is still kind of a, a firm foundation for everything I do now. Um, but it really just varies so much. I think that's probably part of what made Tropodelic such a great fit for you is the the broad spectrum of sounds that you guys have. Oh yeah, we do everything. And are you so you're originally from the Ohio area? Yeah, yeah. I'm from a, a farm town like an hour south of Cleveland called Ritman. Okay. Born and raised? Um, had a Navy parents, so not born and raised, but that's basically like from first grade on. Uh it was it was there in northeast Ohio. Awesome. And so how did you connect with Tropodelic? How'd you meet up with those guys? Well, um, there's this, uh, there's this venue in Northeast Ohio called Nelson Ledges. And sure. yeah, yeah. We, we all used to go up there. That was like where the hippie festivals were, the, uh, the bad fish festivals. And I've yep. been seeing Tropodelic for a while and was a fan. And, um, basically like I was just a drunk, crazy guy <laughs> that like kind of became friends with them. And one day, Rhodes, the singer, asked me to help promo after a 311 show um, in Cleveland. This would have been early 2012. And part of getting people's attention was like shouting and playing guitar and doing crazy stuff. And that was actually the first time I played music with any of them. And then I guess uh, eventually I just kind of wormed my way in and we started a horn section. <laughs> wow. Yes. So that Love was the that. start of the horn section? Yes. Okay, because I'm pretty sure they weren't shit until the horn section came on. Because <laughs> you guys steal the show. Thank you. Not to say that, you know, the whole band isn't just fabulous, but, I mean, come on. It's tough to compete. Thank you. There's a lot of energy coming from that horn section. Now, I'll tell you, I came across you guys probably uh, 2015, I guess, Um I went to go see a Bad Fish show, actually, in Buffalo, New York, which is where I live. Um, I think it was at the Town Ballroom, and um, a friend of mine bought tickets and said, oh, you love Sublime, we're going to go see Bad Fish. And I said, okay, and we got there early, and you guys uh, opened up for them, and um, I was definitely digging it. First couple songs, you know, but I was just getting there and opening bands, you know, whatever. And then you guys hit, I got five on it, and I... I pretty much dropped my drink. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on right now? This is amazing. And, uh, and from then on, I was, uh, I was completely locked in as a fan. I've seen you guys several times since, uh, in fact, um, before I did the podcast here with Kelly, um, two years ago, I guess, or three years ago, I was working with Jose Canseco, um, former major league baseball player. And we shot a live video at his house and I didn't even realize it until the comments started pulling in, but I was actually wearing my tropodelic shirt that I bought from the merch table at one of your shows in Buffalo in that video. Um, and as many people recognize the tropodelic shirt as they did the Jose Canseco sitting next to me. So just to give you an idea of, of how awesome uh, you guys are and, and how fast this has grown for you. Well, thanks for wearing the shirt, man. <laughs> yeah, no, my pleasure. I was, I was happy to do it. Uh, like I said, you guys are, are absolutely, um, amazing. And, uh, and like I said, you guys have hit Buffalo a few times. We're just neighbors, you know, right down the 90 from each other. So we both live in like a really shitty part of the country. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's cool that you get to, that you get to come sometimes to, to Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. We love Buffalo. Town ballroom is awesome. It's a great room. It really is. Now you guys just, uh, we're out on this side. I, I say this side because typically I'm on that side, but right now I'm on this side. So for everyone looking and I'm over here, um, you guys were out in <laughs> California. That wasn't confusing <laughs> at all, Jarrett. Yeah, no, no, no. Just over there. See this one. All right. So you guys, uh, were out in California and you guys had an opportunity to play in Long Beach at Cali Vibes. Uh, man, what was that like? Oh, it it was, it was awesome. I mean, we always really, really look forward to, um, you know, going in somewhere, especially like a large group of people that hasn't, hasn't seen us before. And, you know, we're, 
we're like stretching and warming up before him. We just go out there and put in as, as much energy and as much of a performance as, as you could imagine. And, and just like the experience you talked about of like, Oh, opening band. And then a few songs in, you know, you're kind of grinning and you're into it like that. That is a very, very rewarding experience that I kind of live for being in the band is going in. Um, I kind of compare it to cold calling and, and telemarketing. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, like the, the difference between a warm and a cold call, cold call telemarketing, which I've done is where you call strangers and try to sell them stuff. And it's, it's really tense. It's really scary. But if you get it, it's amazing, you know, and um, getting in front of people that haven't seen you before, they don't have any warmth for you yet. And warming them up is just great. You know? Yeah, it was, that was exactly how it happens. Um, and from that moment on, I was a, I was a big fan. So, uh, it was really cool to see you guys, um, out here in Long Beach and on the, on the big stage at Cali Vibes. Of course, the Knoll Family Foundation had a booth set up, um, I probably told Kelly I was just running to the bathroom, so don't tell her that I saw most of your <laughs> most of your set and snuck away. I um, knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's hard it's hard not to not to see you guys, and it was it was kind of cool watching the crowd start to really build as you guys were playing. Um, it, it had to be neat to to be there in Long Beach, and I'll tell you, I anytime we have an incredible band from the East coast on, I always like to pump them up a little bit because clearly the only way you could have a fan base is if you're, you know, right here in Southern California, right? Well, no, you guys are up in Northeast Ohio and, and rocking this scene and to see you guys on the stage at, in Long Beach and to watch the crowd build throughout your set. Um, as a fan, I know it was awesome. I can't imagine being up on stage and, and, and watching that. It's awesome. It's incredible. Now, um, I've also done a little bit of research here and, you know, we love to talk about music on, on Bradley's house. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that, but our mission of course is, um, the Knoll family foundation is raising funds to open Bradley's house, which will be a six bed recovery facility for musicians specifically, um, struggling. Now I know that you have, uh, done some work in, in talking in some of the recovery field and some, some of the things that you've spoke about. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, so I have, uh, you know, a little over eight and a half years sober. Um, I was, you know, <laughs> addicted to heroin, addicted to meth, like it's a full blown drug addict. Um, I mean, I, you'd almost have to ask me specifically what you want to know. Cause I, I could sit here and talk about recovery all day because it's honestly, it's, it's, it's the thing I'm most passionate about in this world. Cause I wouldn't That's be awesome. here if it wasn't yeah. for it. You know? Well, can you start by just telling us a little bit about how you became entangled in addiction and then how you were able to find your way out? Okay. So, um, I was just a real neurotic kid. Um, I was full of, uh, you know, just fear of social interaction, um, resentment for, you know, just general uh, high school interaction, stuff like that. And um, I picked up a Vicodin when I was like 15 years old, and it just fixed everything, you know? Hmm. <laughs> um, like it was the best option I had to get through this life at the time. Cause I, cause I didn't have any emotional or spiritual tools to like live or to process, you know, life in a healthy way. And that snowballed by the, by the time all is said and done, I'm homeless and I'm playing guitar in front of the casino in Cleveland. Um, you know, with my case open, like collecting tips for just wow. enough money to be, just enough money to be well. Like I wasn't, mm. you know, the last few months out there, I wasn't even getting high anymore. I was just trying to keep the, the withdrawal at bay. Sure. And then at what point did you realize that you were willing to do what it took to make a change? Well, that's a, it's an odd question. Cause life, 
life kind of did that for me. Mm. You know, I, I had been to, I've been to like seven rehabs, several detoxes, several psych wards. I've had, you know, doctors tell me that I flatlined all that kind of stuff. Wow. But eventually, believe it or not, actually, probably the biggest thing that made a difference was I, I joined Tropodelic and I had this sense of community. This was, uh, during a period, like I, I wasn't sober, but I was trying to get my stuff together, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're playing shows and we're starting to see a little success. And then, you know, I start going on benders and I ruin everything. Um, betray a couple people, you know, just not a good person. And I get kicked out of the band and, you know, I had, I had dreamed of being in a band and playing for people my whole life. Like in high school, I used to, uh, I used to in front of the mirror, play bass and play red hot chili pepper songs to the hmm. music playing while practicing like my flea moves awesome. you know, real crazy on stage. So it's what I always wanted. Yeah. And I just, I just ruined it, you know? So mm. then that's kind of what led to the bender of all benders where I end up homeless. Um, I finally get into treatment and it's suggested to me to do sober living afterwards to like, basically mm-hmm. like, why don't you just take a hiatus entirely from life for, for six to eight months, just commit to that. And I did that. I went to sober living afterwards where, you know, you're just, you just have a bunch of people teaching you how to live and to be an adult and how to, you know, utilize the 12 step program. And that's, that's kind of when the miracle happened. Mm. And that was how long ago? Um, my sobriety date is September 18th, 2013. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. That's it's fantastic. Un- Thanks. So tell us a little bit about the challenges of maintaining sobriety while on the road, doing shows, that kind of thing, because that's, that's a big challenge. It is. Um, and not, not in the way you'd think, though. So, like, um, there are some, some promises in these 12 step programs. Um, and they, they've all come true for me. And, you know, one of those is that the, the obsession and the compulsion to drink and use drugs will be removed. And that was like, that's the biggest miracle of all is like, I don't, I don't feel temptation towards drugs and alcohol. I'm around it all the time. If I'm standing in a circle and, you know, people are, are passing joints to each other. I'll grab it and pass it to the next guy. And it does nothing to me because mm. I, because I do what's suggested and that miracle happened for me. The real problem is not even a problem, a struggle, something that I go through is taking care of myself in a way to kind of nurture that miracle, you know, mm. um, taking time, no matter what city I wake in, wake up in, no matter how many hours of sleep I got, um, you know, waking up in the morning, praying and meditating, um, you know, seeking strength from a higher power, that kind of stuff. Um, keeping an attitude of service towards other people rather than just like getting everything I can get out of life. That's, that's the struggle of, of touring and staying sober is doing just, just staying in the solution of the things I learned that got me here. That's right. Absolutely. And how important would you say um, a, a program of sobriety has been for you? It's a, it's literally everything. There's without without a clear cut map of how to operate, um, without a support group, without like this this just map to transformation. There was. There was zero chance for me. I was 100% going to die. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't, you know, it, it, it can get into controversy. I, I don't say that it's for everyone because I don't believe it's for everyone. But for me, like, I drank this Kool-Aid and I'm drinking it till I, till I die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I believe it. It worked. It's amazing. It's definitely preferable to the path you were on before, I would imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people, um, perhaps discount, you know, they, in my, in my experience, anyway, anybody who I've ever met that seems resistant to, you know, a 12 step program or whatever, um, 
it seems like that's the one thing that they need, you know, like the one thing, the <laughs> most important thing they need is the one thing they don't want to do or don't want to try. Well, that's, that's kind of the keys to the kingdom for me is, um, you know, this basic principle that, that what I want and how I feel isn't even relevant to what I'm doing. Right. I used to base my life on what I think and how I feel. You know, if this feels good, I'm going to do it. If I don't want to do this, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, I, I ended up a, a lonely hobo. Out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, I, the idea of just doing things I don't want to do is, is amazing now, you know? Ah, that's great, man. Now, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the podcast here is, um, people believing that they need to alter their minds in some way to be able to be creative, to be able to create. It's, it's why they do it. It's, um, talk to us a little bit about the differences between playing music when you were using and how it feels out doing these shows, you know, clean with a, with a clean mind. Well, um, yeah, because I, I, I had that, too. I used to <laughs> I used to do meth before shows and I would I would call it performance enhancer. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. I that's, how, that's, that's how I, I justified it in my mind. Um, but what, what you just said at the beginning that you um, need to alter your mind to get into a creative state. I could say that there's some truth to that, whether you're um, discussing drugs or not, because I, I find like I do need to alter my mind state throughout the day. I can do that through breathing. I can do that through talking to somebody with a different opinion than me. I can do that through meditation, through prayer, through service, through whatever. Um, there are still tools that I need to use to get out of myself that are very important for the creative process. You know, um, the first time I got on stage sober, like I 100% felt like I was going to die. My heart was pounding out of my chest. Um, I thought I was going to stutter. I thought I was going to mess stuff up, but you know, eventually you do a few times and you're just comfortable with it. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, I, and I, I could totally understand that. And, you know, you said performance enhancing. Um, I, <laughs> again, we've had uh, we've had so many musicians on the podcast that have have told the story that, like, you know, they had to get fucked up to perform or to write or to get creative, and then when they realized. Um, you know, after they've gotten uh, clean and come through their recovery and they realized, you know, how much easier it was and, or how much better it was being able to do it clean and, and with a, a clear mind. Um, and, and honestly, it, it makes way more sense. Like, uh, I could see the, the benefit clearly of, of having that clear mind and being able to, to perform your art. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're using, if you're using like, coke or drinking or whatever as a tool eventually you uh you run out of coke and you run out of beer um <laughs> right find, finding tools that are available to you at any time that are that are within you that's that's just invaluable you know absolutely so obviously you know recovery has been a, a big part of of what you talk about you said it's something that you're you're very passionate about and clearly so are we that's why we've got this podcast going here um to support the foundation um and tropodelic actually took part in the house that bradley built compilation cd that was put out by our friends at law-records.com cd is still available of course every dollar goes directly to the noel family foundation and attempt to get bradley's house up and open just quick quick uh cheap plug there um very subtle very subtle yeah 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 <laughs> absolutely um and you guys did uh did smoke two joints which was uh a take that brad did on a classic toys um song w what was that process like so so for that one um you know i think i think we were on tour when we were we were let know that we were going to be doing that and we were we were all really excited um, we went back and forth, but we decided 
um, you know, with the acoustic nature of how we were going to record it, there weren't going to be any horns. So I actually wasn't in the studio for that one. But I do know that um, it was mostly our singer Rhodes and our drummer Rex that went in um, and Rex was doing the backup vocals. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah it's uh it's a phenomenal album. That's just filled with, with so many great artists. And I was so excited to, to see Tropodelic be represented uh, on it because it's something that was, uh, that was really neat. Now, uh, who were some of your, if we talked about your musical influences, who would we be talking about Derek? I would have to say like, as far as like what I, what I do in Tropodelic is concerned, um, my biggest influence of all time. And they're, you know, they're mainstream, but it's, it's red hot chili peppers. I remember when I discovered um, like the, the older cuts and the old YouTube videos and seeing like what they used to do with like costumes, their stage performance and almost like a, like a little bit of a comedic aspect to what they're doing that was that was like a genre of music i felt really comfortable in because i'm a clown um (laughs) you don't you don't take yourself seriously and it's just really funny and fun and then um you know my influences from there built into like some of the the older funk um brothers johnson sly and the family stone all that stuff because basically in in high school i always believed i was going to be a a bass player in a funk band um, how I ended up playing trumpet in a reggae band, I don't know. It, it works out and it's amazing. We have a lot of those influences. Very different. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I'd well, say I was, was, I was going to become a male model and I'm a podcast host. Um, <laughs> turns out I'm not that good looking. So the modeling thing wasn't going to be for me. Uh, but, but this has worked out well. So I know where you're coming yeah. from, brother. I'm feeling you on that. Same thing, same situation, right? <laughs> same, 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 same. Um, so, I mean, do you, do, have you, have you looked at any side projects? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you wanted to play bass in a, in a funk group. It's, has that something that you've, you've looked into or has Tropodelic just got you way too busy? Um, I've, I've played bass on a couple Tropodelic songs, um, which was which was really cool. Um, our song "Voice of a Generation" was a baseline that I wrote. But um, side projects. It's funny. It's completely unrelated because we, you know, we were just talking about what I was into in high school. But now I'm like really, really into this Americana stuff. And my my side project is my solo music, where I play guitar and sing. And then um, my my wife to be here starting Saturday. She plays violin, and I put out music under my name with that Ooh. yeah i've seen a few of those videos on youtube actually nice well hold up so where would one go to hear those youtube obviously what's um, the youtube channel well uh distro kid just uploads it to to youtube but if you if you go on spotify and you uh you put in my name Derek mcbride you'll uh you'll find some stuff okay <laughs> and that's that's mcbride with a y correct yep mcbride with a y Okay, just want everybody to be able to find you. I can't wait to look that up. Now, Derek, did you get a chance out at Cali Vibes? Um, I mean, I know that you guys were were in the zone, but did you get a, a chance to catch any of the other acts that were that were going on? Um, the only two other ones I had the chance to see was um, Hyrie. They put on one hell of a show and those they're they're just very kind awesome people and then um of course i was i was out in the crowd uh eating eating a cheeseburger for wu-tang clan yeah man <laughs> I, I was hoping you said you saw wu-tang clan that, that was like Wu-Tang clan, you know all right so i spent the uh the entire festival um but I was there from the beginning till the very end. And the entire time I took one picture with one artist and I just so happened to be coming back from the bathroom and you God came walking by and I was like, 
holy shit, I got to take a picture with you, God. And, uh, and that, so that was the only picture I took. And I'm like, you know, uh, I'm a huge reggae fan. I love the majority of the bands that were out there, but, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan was like, uh, that was like some bucket list shit for me. Was that your first time seeing them? Oh yeah. Wu-Tang was a big deal for me. Um, you know, and I, I guess Shaggy was cool, but, uh, Wu-Tang yeah, Shaggy, Shaggy was, Shaggy was pretty cool to check out. And, you know, the, mar- everybody was amazing. I, I can't, you know, out of all of the bands that played, I, I don't have a bad thing to say about almost any set. Um, but to, to see Wu Tang was, was really pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I did discover that Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. No, no, Wu Tang. Somebody to say that. Right. No, it's no, well, of course they're not. Wu Tang. Wu Tang's for the children. That's why. <laughs> That's right. Wu Tang is for the children. So um I'm happy that everybody got to got to enjoy that. Um so what is I always like this is something I always like to ask musicians, especially, you know, guys that are out there doing it like you are. Uh what are you listening to on your uh, on your list right now? Like what was your last Spotify songs that you were listening to? Um, when I was a kid, I used to ask my dad, I was like, dad, do you think singers sing their own songs in the shower? No. And that's exactly (laughs) what he said. That's exactly what he said. He said, no, they're sick of singing those songs. They do that for a living. They sing songs, you know, other songs that they like. And I was just like, I don't know. It seems like a home run to me. Like if Bon Jovi's not singing, living on a prayer and fucking the shower, then I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Right, right now I've been listening to a uh, a Col- uh, a lot of Coulter Wall, who is a, a country musician out of Saskatchewan. Wait Our producer is out of Saskatchewan. Yes, yeah. she's freaking out right now. Yeah, he he has the deepest voice of all time. Listen to him; it's it's unreal. It's amazing. What's the artist's name again? Coulter Wall. Coulter Wall. <laughs> I'm in the room with the Anderson. Coulter Wall. He's a comedian. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Anna knows everything, but wow, to pull up a musical reference from Saskatchewan, you might instantly become her favorite guest now, Derek. <laughs> well, it's funny. I thought of that. I, I remember you guys mentioned Saskatchewan at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's super hyped. I, I mean, I'm not saying there's not a lot of wonderful things that come out of Saskatchewan. And clearly our producer Anna comes out of Saskatchewan, but it's it's pretty awesome to hear about some musical influences. Like Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the best part it's is like it's not real place. <laughs> it's Saskatoon, so it's Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. <laughs> and I mean, she says it's laughable. She, she says I say it funny, but Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and it's yeah, I, Canadian thing. Dude, do you know they have different candy than us, Derek? Do you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. Different candy. All right, so here I'll tell you a fun a fun story. Um, Anna and I are in Las Vegas on vacation, and we roll into the Circle K, and I decide to load up on a little bit of candy. So I purchase a Kit Kat. I love Kit Kats. I've loved Kit Kats since I was a kid. And the the proper thing to do when you're with somebody, especially a significant other, and you have a Kit Kat, is you break them off a piece of that fucking Kit Kat bar, right? So I do just that. I hand it to her. She bites it. She looks at me and she goes, is this like, do you think this is old or, and I said, what? No, it's fucking delicious Kit Kat. The same Kit Kat I've had my whole life. She goes, yeah, no, this tastes like shit. And she hands me the other half of it back. So I'm like, this is very weird. So I do a quick Google search. Turns out they do have Kit Kats in Canada made by a different chocolate company, different recipe. It's a completely different Kit Kat, except for it's still called Kit Kat in the same orange classic Kit Kat packaging. I do more that research. Legal. I do more research. Turns out she's not familiar with any of our fucking candy. She starts talking about who's a Majus and whatchamacallits, and I don't even know what her candy's called, but it ain't the shit that we have here. And you would think, you know, they're really just like the 51st state, right? It's just they're like connected, right? That you'd think it'd be the same. But nope, no, they have completely different candy, completely different Kit Kat. So when you're listening to your buddy up there, just know that you and him not enjoying the same Kit Kats. Yeah, I think you've ruined the music for what Derek now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's, completely it's, ruined it's, the music for him. 
it's a lot to take in. Now, you guys have been uh, out on tour. Um, I, I don't know. It seems like you guys are playing every night somewhere new. You guys just did a run with uh, with Mike Pinto, right? Yes. I, I love, love Mike Pinto. He he is a gentleman and a scholar. He's a great guy, and his music is awesome. Isn't he wonderful? I love yeah. that when, when someone's music is fantastic and then their personality is also enjoyable. It doesn't always happen that way. True that. So you're getting married on Saturday, and then where's Trapadelic? I, I feel like I just saw another announcement. You guys are you guys are heading back out soon. Is that correct? Um, not not exactly soon. So um, after after the wedding, I'll be in Costa Rica for nine days for the honeymoon. Ooh. Come back around for a little while. We've got um, Sweetwater 420 Fast. I think is what it's called. I should have known, but um, that's at the end of April we've got some touring in between with iration ah that's what I saw that's right I yeah. saw that you guys were doing some dates with iration iration then Michael Franny who is just one of the coolest guys I've ever met he's awesome um, and then we've got our big festival everwild um, in August we, yeah this year we've we've got dirty heads Hyrie. Uh, little stranger bumping uglies. It's it's gonna be wild. Wow, what a lineup! Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about that. So I gotta ask: Were you uh, included in the in the ass kicking of my friends of the bumping uglies in the taco eating contest? Um, yeah, I'm basically responsible for the whole thing. <laughs> Tell us, you know what? I, I feel, I feel bad thinking that the listeners know, fill everybody in on what happened there, Derek. Okay. So, um, I saw like, we, we're real tight with bump and uglies. Those, those are some really good dudes. Like I'm proud to call them friends, mm. but, uh, they post about tacos in their fan group all the time. All and the time. Day, and one day I, uh, we, we used to film all these funny videos and post them. And we did this parody of um, Talk About It, MGK, but it was Taco About It. <laughs> and it was like... Remember it well? Parody music video where I'm like hitting burritos with a baseball bat and all that. And we call them out. You know, like we, we could beat you in a, in a taco eating contest. And they took on the challenge. We ended up filming it at Sugar Shack. Oh, um, and we were we were so confident we would win because we were training beforehand, right? Um, as you do, as you do yeah. for this kind of event. Yeah, they, they didn't train. <laughs> we trained. We we went to Walmart beforehand. Had a cake iced that said, "Congratulations, Tropodelic. And right after we just annihilated them in the contest, we had somebody bring out the cake and we started eating the cake. Oh. <laughs> Awesome. That's just so amazing. Um, It was estimated I ate around four and a half pounds of tacos. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. That can't be. That's a lot of tacos. Yeah. If you you watch (laughs) our our second to last Sugar Shack sessions, um, I was, I didn't eat the whole day beforehand preparing. (laughs) And if you look at me, I'm, I'm just miserable. I'm miserable in all of those videos and just, just wanted that contest to go down, you know? (laughs) Sure. So, so I, I gotta ask who really won then, right? Because, you know, they lost, but you had four and a half pounds of tacos in you and, (laughs) um, you know what? You won. Fuck that. You you guys took down that taco eating contest. Behard took it rough. It was, he had to eat a little crow. He had to eat a little crow in the, uh, in the uglies. In the Uglies group, but um, yeah, I, I I really liked that and enjoyed that. Well, Derek, it's uh, it's been awesome to to have you on and, and chat and, and talk a little music and a uh, and obviously yes. a little recovery. Anytime that we can have uh, a musician on who who can talk about their their struggle and then their their recovery and just kind of let everyone know that you know we we can recover and you certainly are um, are showing that right now as you're out there kicking ass and taking names, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you guys do. And if there's there's any way I can be of any help, uh, always feel free to let me know. 
I am not the guy to say that to, but. um, (laughs) You'll ask. Thank you so much, Derek, though. We we really appreciate it. And um, keep making that great music and keep setting a great example for people about being a a sober musician in this industry because it is possible. And um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. And uh, hey, Derek, just for anybody who wants to check you out, uh, you can go ahead and plug any social media pages or uh, anything that you want. You can go ahead and let everybody know now how they can keep up with you. Oh, yeah. Tropodelic.com, Tropodelic on Spotify, Tropodelic on YouTube, on MySpace, on Zanga, and um, on basically any bathroom (laughs) wall throughout the continental United States. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you again, man. Thank you. It was so awesome having Derek come on and chat with us, Kelly. I mean, obviously, we're both big Tropodelic fans, but uh, also also to know what he's gone through and have him tell his story a little bit. And uh, another musician out there in recovery, but still living their dream and doing it at a top level. I mean, we both talked about it the first time we ever saw Tropodelic on opposite sides of the country. We're kind of in these small little venues um, and now they're playing these places, Cali vibes and Cali roots. And it's, it's just been awesome to see. Absolutely. And I couldn't be happier for them. I mean, they're a great bunch of guys, super talented. And as we said, when they do a show, they lay it all out there. I have never seen a Trapadelic show where I thought, oh, they were kind of holding back or phoning it in. Like they really go for it. So I definitely encourage anyone who's not had a chance to see them to check them out if they're in your area. Yeah, and there are some opportunities coming up. You guys can follow Tropodelic on social media. Uh, Anna will go ahead and include some links in the description of the show. But uh, throughout the month of May, they're going to be out with uh, Iration and Cashed Out. Um, they've got the Sunny Days uh, Festival. That's May 20th and 21st. Uh, that's out at Nelson Ledges, which is an iconic spot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Iration, Tropodelic, The Elevators, Pacifier, Cashed Out, and Of Good Nature. Oh, my um, gosh. What so, a lineup. Yeah. Yeah, awesome lineup there. Uh, and then, of course, they are on day one at Cali Roots. Um, so they're, uh, they're getting out there. So there's a ton of opportunity. Make sure you guys are following them. Uh, and thank Derek so much for, for coming on and sharing his story and telling us the Bump and Ugly's taco story and just <laughs> kind of sharing, sharing some good times with us. And um, oddly, as we, uh, as we recorded it, he was uh, getting ready to get married. As you guys are hearing this, he's already been married. So yes. congratulations to him and his uh, beautiful bride and you can uh, you can check out some of their stuff through the links yeah absolutely and uh hope you guys enjoyed it you guys know why we're doing this um, we're raising awareness for the Noel family foundation in hopes to get bradley's house up and open and uh we've been doing all sorts of different things kelly i know we have a few thank yous to to send out there right yes we do in fact we talked a little bit about how great the show at alex's was during our last episode But um, we received a very generous donation from Alex himself from that show. And all of the artists uh, donated their performances. So it really was phenomenal. So again, big thank you to everybody who got their tickets, who came out for it. I know there are a lot of people that wanted to be there that either couldn't because of the the crazy storms with travel um, or, or because it was sold out. And so anyway, it was a great show. We'll definitely be doing more and just wanted to, again, say a big thank you to Alex and for his generosity. I I highly encourage anybody who's in the Southern California area to check out a show at Alex's. It's an awesome venue. And we'll, we'll definitely be back there again soon. And uh, we just had a great show this last Saturday at Sea Legs Burritos and Ham Apple did a show, had some great special guests. And um, that was a phenomenal event. Thank you to everybody who came out and a big thank you to Sea Legs for their generous donation as well. So we sure appreciate all the love and support from the community. Absolutely. And uh, guys, you can go ahead and click the link tree. It'll get you to all things Noel Family Foundation. Every dollar goes a long way and it means a lot in uh, the Noel Family Foundation uh, achieving their goal and getting Bradley's house up and open. So uh, really appreciate all the love and support all the way from Alex's, like you said, all the way through Sea Legs. And, you know, these these events happen. You never know what's going to happen in an old family foundation event. <laughs> 
that, <laughs> Kelly. Uh, we had the we had the thing out at Alex's. Uh, unfortunately, Billy Wilson was a little under the weather. So what do we get? We get Miguel up there with Jake doing an yeah. acoustic set. You've got the show out at Sea Legs, and you get Swing and Johnny up on stage um, doing the, the ballad of Johnny Butt. You get Tyson mm. Sullivan up there doing yes. uh, doing his thing with his brother, another board member. So just uh, always a lot of fun at these events, and certainly appreciate everybody who uh, who supports who can get out to those events and all the people who are who are buying merch and sharing the podcast and doing everything they can from all across the country it's just awesome to see the support and it really exactly. means so much it really does and like i said we'll be looking to do another event like that with jacob and miguel and billy uh, hopefully in the next couple of months two to three months so i'm working on booking that so everybody stay tuned to our social media we'll be announcing that soon oh Quite and we'll of course, be at Cali Roots. Sorry to interrupt you there, Jared, but we will, of course, be at Cali Roots, uh, like Tropidelic and so many other of these incredible bands. It's going to be a four-day event this year, and I am super excited. We just um, booked some of the stuff for it, and it's it's looking like it's shaping up to be a really awesome weekend. And so that's going to be May 26th through 29th, and we're stoked to be there as well. Love the people that run Cali Roots. They're such as, you know, we've had... Um, Dan Sheehan on. And uh, of course, his wife, Amy, is an absolute doll. I love seeing her. So anyway, I'm excited to go to the event. I'm excited to see the people and always stoked to be a part of the Cali Roots family. I see what you've been doing to me here, Kelly. It was two days at Vegas. You worked us up three days at Cali Vibes. And now it's the four-day festival. It hasn't even started yet. I'm already tired. I'm easing you into it. But yeah, yeah my, my whole big plan here, of course, is that I'm getting too old for the shit, and I'm hoping that you guys can eventually take over for me. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I'll listen to you. So, uh, guys, again, thank you so much uh, for listening. Make sure you check the description. Get you to all things Trapadelic, Derek McBride, and, of course, the Noel Family Foundation so you can find out how you can get included, involved, and uh, we can all, as the fans, uh, have our little piece in the in the next piece of the sublime story. So it's something that, that means a lot to us as the fans yes. to help out. So a couple Kelly. of big shout outs I'd like to do. Sorry, before we finish no, up, yeah. um, just a big thank you to Brindy Pepper who runs our events and our booths. Um, she's amazing. Like she absolutely coordinates everything. She made Cali vibes just so smooth. She was holding down the fort literally during the winds at sea legs at the burrito show on Saturday. So I absolutely could not do it without her. She's been my right hand for the last, I think three years, at least now three and a half. And, um, I just, I can't imagine running the foundation without her. So big thank you. And I love you, Brindy. I'm doing a little heart thing with my hands, but you can't see it. And then also, of course, a big thank you to our producer, Anna, who comes out and helps at all of these events and gets all of these podcasts done even in the middle of the night. So she really goes above and beyond. So big thank you to Anna. We love you, Anna. And I think we've got to, we probably should catch up on a little bit of uh, happy birthdays out there. Both of our dads uh, celebrated birthdays on February 21st. So um, happy birthday to the host's dads. That's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. That's that's pretty neat. And then, uh, of course, Brad on the 22nd. You guys are hearing this on the 23rd. Um, So so happy birthday to our extended little family here. I just turned 54. So remember that, all you people that come and ask if I'm Brad's mom. He's 54. 28. Amazing. Happy birthday, Brad. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday indeed. So, uh, Kelly, of course... Every single time we have a musical guest on, we like to uh, we like to use one of their songs. You get a song every single week on Bradley's House, because how can we not let you out with some music? But um, we are going to be featuring one from our guest this week. What's everybody going to be hearing on their way out? You know, originally we were going to do Through Fire. It's a great song. But I think we're going to go with the most recent release by Derek McBride on his solo project. It's called Road Back Home, and it's really a beautiful song. So here's Road Back Home by Derek McBride. I hope you guys enjoy it. Until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She's Kelly Noel. You don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. Okay. All set.
madness. Know it all, but so confused. Tap out the burn holes in the mattress. Life is all that's left to lose. Cross the line somewhere around age 15. Adolescent struggles fade away with morphine. Victim of pharmacy, the doctor's orders made a fiend. Take the road back home.